This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Uh, I'm going to kind of give a little bit of a framework so that we are all on the same page and understand exactly what we're talking about before we read. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And tonight we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Now Joseph is the 11th son to a man named Jacob. Jacob has had 11, uh, 10 other kids and this is his first child with his wife Rachel. Now Jacob met Rachel. This is a great story. This is how they, this is how they met. One time uh, Jacob was coming through this land and he met a man that had two daughters. One was named Rachel and the other name was Leah. And Rachel was beautiful to behold. And, and Jacob's like, dang, you know, he's baptized. Yeah. So he goes to the dad and he's like, hey, uh, what, what I got to do to get your daughter? The Bible says Leah, Leah the, the sister, she had a weak eye and she was ugly. And so she just, that's what the Bible said. Don't get mad at me. It's what the Bible said. And so, but Rachel was beautiful to behold. And so he said, what I got to do to get, uh, to get, to, to get there, can I have Rachel? And so the father said, yeah, you can have my daughter if you serve my fields for seven years. I think we should go back to this plan. We should go back to these days. So he said, seven years. And so, so Jacob's like, I'll do anything for Rachel. So he, he served seven years. And the Bible says it seemed to, to Jacob but like a few days to get Rachel. At the end of seven years, he gets hoodwinked by the father. The father gives him Leah instead of Rachel. He gives him Leah, the one with the weak eye and who was ugly. And he says, if you want Leah, you're going to have to do another seven years. He does 14 years to get his wife Rachel. After 14 years, the father finally gives him Rachel, and they go off, and they're, they, you know, Leah and Rachel, they're gone with Jacob. And for years and years and years, Rachel cannot get pregnant. She cannot have a son. Finally, after waiting for years, finally, God allows her to give birth to a son, and his name is Joseph. Joseph comes out, and he's the 11th, and so he immediately becomes the favorite. He is the fa Raise your hand if you are the favorite child in your, in your family. These are all the youngest. There is no firstborn that's the favorite. You're called an experiment. The youngest child is the favorite child. So he's the 11th, and the Bible says that his father Jacob and, and his mother Rachel, they love him. They make him this long coat with many colors all the way to the ground. He's the favorite child, and the brothers despise him. They do not like this boy, Joseph. One day, Joseph comes to his brothers and to his parents, and he's like, <laughs> I had a dream last night. You're never going to believe the dream that God gave me last night. Read now in the text, Genesis 37. Watch what it says here in verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you... Intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. He said, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. 
And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this in mind. I want to preach a message tonight. Write down the title. It's called The Testing of a Dream. We believe that our God is so good, he will give you a dream. He will give you a vision. He will download a picture into your heart of the plans and the purposes he has for your life. It is not up to you to make your own dream for your life. God already has a dream for your life. Let's just go. Oh, I love Zoe. Come on, you can clap right now and thank God. What does the Bible say in Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the, the plans, the dreams I have for you declares the Lord. What kind of plans? Plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. God has a dream for your life, and anytime he gives you a dream, he follows it up with a test. And he can't actually allow you to walk in your God dream until you pass some tests along the way. God does this not because he is upset with you or angry with you. He just wants to see can you handle the weight and the magnitude of the dream heaven has for your life. I want to talk to you about a few tests you've got to pass in your lifetime so you can step into your God-given potential. You can step, anybody down to step into your God dream. Anybody down to say, Lord, if you have a dream, I want, seven people are clapping right now. Come on, somebody thank God right now. We're going to step into the God dream that he has for our life. Some of you are like, I got a God dream. Get married. Gamby. Okay, but let's, let's, he's on the drums. Anyways, let's pray and let's believe that God will come and speak to us. This evening, Jesus, we thank you that you are who you say you are and you can do what you said you would do. We ask tonight, by the power of the Holy Spirit, open up our eyes so we can see you and open up our ears so we can hear you. We thank you in advance that you speak to us, you lead us, and you guide us. We say yes to the dream you have over our lives. We want to walk in that dream and fulfill your call. We thank you. And, Lord, as a church together, we are mindful that you have a dream that the Lakers will win the NBA championship. We, we thank you. You're testing us, but we're going to walk it out. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, come on, Angelinos, clap your hands right now. Thank God in advance. Um, by show of hands, if you are good at taking pictures, raise your hand. If you're good at taking the photo. Come on, I love these kind of people right here. You ever be in a group and you want to take like a group photo and you look around and you're like, I'm looking, I want to find the person that you could tell is good at taking pictures. And there's a few people like, no, definitely not you. De Ain't nothing worse than choosing the wrong person to take the photo. First person you go to is like shaky hands guy. Shaky hands guy's like, like, bro, are you nervous? Like, what's good? You know, it's like it's a handshake. You get blurred images back. You're like, no, nah, fam, try again. Is this the worst? Or, or, or you ever get that, that person, you choose the person, you're there 30, 45 seconds with your crew. You get your phone back. They give you, they, that 45 seconds, they took one photo. It's like, my man, 
You gave me one photo. I need options, okay? Because I'm the type of dude who's going to close my eyes, make a funky face, and I've got to go through. And when I go through, I don't care how you look. I only care how I look. I'm only looking at one person, and I want to get my preaching to anybody right now. I, I will post a photo with your eyes closed and your mouth open as long as I look good. But I remember growing up, you know, nowadays we got options. You can take all these photos. When I was in high school, I took a photography class. I took a photography class right after lunch, fifth period, unnecessary detail. Who cares? So it's right after lunch, fifth period, and I'll go to my photography class. They give you a roll of film and a camera, and you go out, you shoot your shot, you take your photo, you go through your whole film, come back to the classroom, go into the lab, and develop your film. I just remember this. You you go in, it's a dark room, and, and, and you take out carefully your film, not to destroy it, and you go through and you put you you put your picture in the water and you let it sit there and eventually dry it. And once it gone through the process, you'd bring it out to the classroom light to show everybody the photo you had taken. I want to talk tonight about the reality of God in your life that oftentimes God takes a photo and downloads it in your heart and then takes you into the dark room where he has to develop who you are before he brings you out into the light. Somebody thank him right now that he is so good, so kind, so gracious. He actually brings you in development before he brings you into the light. Love this about God. God will show you the photo, show you the picture, show you the dream, and then say, we got to go into hiding for a little bit, and i got to test you to see, develop you to see, can you handle the weight of the dream? These are four tests that Joseph had to pass to walk out his God dream. And the first test is this, write it down, it's the test of rejection. I'm not trying to be negative, but... Not everybody likes you. <laughs> Some people like, ah, they don't want to see you win. All of us have to pass the test of rejection. By the way, this whole thing is built on a man that was rejected. In fact, when Jesus got about the grave and went back to the heavens, the Bible says the stone that the builders rejected has for us become the chief cornerstone. You are building your life on a man that faced rejection. And Jesus said, if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. And here comes Joseph the dreamer. And he comes up to his family and he says, guys, isn't this awesome? I had a dream. And this dream, you were worshiping me. And this dream was so God. It was so good. And his family says, no. Thanks for sharing, but we'd rather not. We reject you. We reject your jacket. We reject your dream. We reject everything about you. One of the tests that you will have to pass in life is that you are good with rejection. Everybody gets rejected. Everybody gets tossed aside. Everybody faces being misplaced. And this is happening to Joseph in his very own family. By the way, the lesson we can learn from Joseph is never share your dream with the wrong people. You share your dream with the wrong people and that will get you killed. Because Joseph, Joseph thought we're flesh and blood, they'll be good. Sometimes the worst rivalries are within the family. 
This is from the first two brothers in the whole Bible. This goes back to all the way to them. And so we have to understand that sometimes you'll be rejected. Watch here, Joseph, how he faces rejection. Genesis chapter 37, go to verse 17. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them in Dothan. But they said to him, but they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Go down to 27. Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Did you see that? These guys go, you know what? It's not going to look good if his blood is on our hands. So let's take off his Gucci coat. Let's put some animal blood on it. We'll go back to dad Jacob and we'll say, oh, we don't know what happened. Joseph, we've, he is dead. But really they put him in a pit and waited for some, some buyers to come by and sold him into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. And then he was brought to Egypt. The first test you will have to pass is even when you're rejected, can you stay sweet? Even when you're not loved, can you stay kind? Even when people are against you, do you still stay for them? Somebody thank God right now that even though you are rejected, it doesn't mean you you got to reject others. I can just see Joseph. He's in a pit. He's getting sold. His brothers hate him. He's still sweet. He's still kind. He's not belly aching and making all kinds of noise. He's passing the test of rejection. He gets sold into slavery. He goes to Egypt. In Egypt, he's sold again to a man named Potiphar. And it's in Potiphar's house that he will face his second test. When he gets to Potiphar's house, he's a Hebrew boy, he's a foreigner, but the Bible says when he's placed in Potiphar's house, because favor was on his life, everything in Potiphar's life got better. Everything in his, in his household started to flourish and take off. I want to talk to somebody that thinks you got to be in the right context to get the favor of God. Sometimes because the favor of God is on you, you can be in the wrong context and flip up the whole cl climate and environment. He's in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's like, dang. Before Joseph came, we were kind of not doing that good and struggling. But since Joseph has come, everything, you ever know somebody in your life? Everything they touch turns to gold. Like everything just looks easy to them. Anybody know, know who I'm talking about? Just people, they just, everything they do, Joseph is that kind of guy because he has favor from God. Some of you need to understand, you're blessing that business. You're blessing that city. You're blessing that environment. Because wherever you are, the blessing of the Lord goes. Come on, clap right now and thank Jesus. You're carrying the favor of God. So, so watch what happens here. He, in Joseph, uh, Genesis 39, verse 4. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. 
So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he had to eat. You see that? Joseph, Potiphar's only concern every day was, should I go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's today? What should I do? That was his most difficult decision because Joseph is in the house. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, oh, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph, buck naked, be like, I'm gone. <laughs> She's standing there with a jacket like. Joseph basically said, you can have my coat, but you're not taking my calling. You can have my jacket, but you're not jacking my dream. Somebody thank God right now that the devil can try and tempt you, but we've got a greater spirit that says, I don't got to give in. I got to get out. I've just been thinking about this thought. Christianity is about learning how to run. you got to run from evil and run to righteousness. And Joseph said, you crazy. You, this is the first desperate housewife. She's in the first book of the Bible. She is wild and out. She is crazy. She's like, oh, Joseph, you pretty. Oh, Joseph, come to bed. Oh, Joseph, look at the silk sheets. Oh, Joseph, you're handsome. Oh, Joseph, you got muscles. My man don't got muscles. Oh, Joseph. Honey dripping from her lips. That's a Bible term. That's a Bible term. She nasty. Ooh. She thirsty. Oh. You ever be around some people to give you the heebie-jeebies? Hey, watch this. Every day she's like, hey, Joe. Let's go with it, Joe. And, and, and she's not flirtatious. She bold with it. Come to bed with me. It's like, oh, God, you are scandalous. No shame in your game, woman. Every day Joe's like, no, you crazy. No, you crazy. Look, look, hey, hey, crazy lady, listen up. I'm in charge of everything, and my Potiphar has given me everything except you because, see, the ring on your finger means you're his wife. And watch what he says. I love this about Joseph. He said, how could I do this evil thing and sin against God? So Joseph doesn't make this an issue between him and Potiphar or him and Potiphar's wife. It's a God issue for Joseph. Temptation has come in the form of seduction but it's a test of faithfulness and loyalty to God. 
He said, no, 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 I know what this is. God is testing my faithfulness. God is testing my loyalty. And I'm not going to bow out for the passing pleasures of sin and have one night stand with a crazy lady that needs a man. Not on my watch. Keep the jacket. I'm gone. That's what Joseph said. Because Joseph, he passed the test of temptation. Some of us need to start to understand that God is testing you in little things. He's testing you in the faithfulness with what belongs to another person. Don't you take what doesn't belong to you. You go before God and you say, God, what you've given to me is mine. I will steward it, but I'm not messing with something that's not mine. Somebody clap right now and thank the Lord. I'm passing rejection and I'm passing temptation. I got faith for somebody. You keep giving in a temptation. You keep rolling over that thing. It is not about that thing. It's a bigger thing, and it's God. It's a bigger test. It's not about that girl. It's not about that dude. It's not about that you still up. It's not about that. That was shots fired for this crowd. I felt it right now. It got quiet, so quiet. Seven dudes looked to the ground. Single awareness week. Got him. <laughs> so stupid. Like, I'm supposed to encourage, you know? So the Bible says, crazy lady. She's got the jacket. It's not the Gucci jacket. Remember, they put blood on she got his. She got his jacket. He gone. Cr crazy people will always bring up false accusations. Watch what she does. She goes on. Help. So somebody. She's got his jacket. She knows what she's doing. Oh, guys. Time to start running in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is it, Mrs. Potiphar's uh, wife, lady? Lady that uses too many pills. What is it? What's the issue? I'm just calling it like it is tonight. So just track with me for a moment. And so, and so, and so, and so, the, the, what is it? And the Hebrew boy, Joseph, he tried to rape me. She's lying. She's lying through her teeth. But when Potiphar comes home, he comes to Joseph. He said, you did what? I elevated you. You were, the, you were in charge of everything. How could you? And now Potiphar throws Joseph in prison. What kind of a life does Joseph live? He went from a pit to a Potiphar to a prison cell. But God, thanks for the dream. It's really been swell following you. He is now in prison. And while he's in prison, the Bible says he makes some friends. He's got some inmates. that he, They do push-ups, sit-ups, and, you know, pound it. They're friends in jail. And while they're in jail, they, 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 they make a pact. They say, hey, if any of us gets out, we're going to remember each other because all of us are in prison, but we're innocent. We should not be here. So one of them gets advanced, and one of them gets out, but they forget about Joseph. Watch here, put it up on the screen. Read, read these verses. Look at this in chapter 40, verse 14. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve to be put in this dungeon. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So the first test was rejection. The second test, temptation. The third test, isolation. That sometimes 
God is so good. He loves you enough. I love this. God always chooses incubation through isolation. He puts you by yourself to say, come on over here. I know you want to be out and about. You want to be at all the parties and be around and be out in the streets. But for what I got to do in you and what I'm trying to build in you, I need you by yourself for a season. I, I promise you this. You ought to use your loneliness for the good of God. I believe this. Loneliness will make you lethal. If you use loneliness, God will build you up. He will mold you, shape you, change you, rearrange you, redirect you, give you a mindset, character. It is all in isolation. It's amazing to me. Joseph is 17 years old when he gets this dream. He's by himself. He gets a dream and, and, and his, his world is rocked. It'll be 13 years when he's the age 30 that the dream will come to pass. There is always a distance between desire realized and desire fulfilled. And one of the things God does because he loves you is he'll say, come on. Before everybody knows your name, only I will know your name. Come here. Come see. Come see. Come, come, come away with me. Come, I'm a jealous God. I'm jealous for your attention and your affection and your devotion. Come on. I need you in isolation right now. I know you want to be out in the streets. and I wonder if FOMO is killing your destiny. I wonder if FOMO is delaying your future because you want to be with everybody and do everything. And you know what? Shut the whole thing down. Get into some isolation. Let God do some, some work on your character and your heart. And let, It can't happen while you're out and about. It can only happen with some isolation. I'm so thankful I got married at 28, 28 years old. When I was 19, 20, 22, 24, I was in the Word. I was reading books. I was preparing myself. I, I didn't want to be, I was, I was in isolation. I was in the, I grew up on an island. I'm from a little small town, Puyallup, Washington. You never heard of it. I'm, I'm just isolation because God needed to prepare me for the thing that he had for me. Stop looking at your isolation season like everybody's against you and nobody likes you. No, it's bigger than them. It's God. God's hiding you in a hiding place so he can prepare you for a greater place. Somebody clap and thank the Lord. He's up to something in your life. He knows rejection to temptation to isolation is preparing you for the God dream that he has. And some of you are like, no, nah, I don't want isolation. For you, isolation is okay. I'll, I'll go into isolation and I'll just binge watch Netflix. No, put the Apple remote down. Get the book, the word of God and let isolation serve you. Amen. Here, here's, here's Joseph, and he's in prison. <laughs> what a life. What a life. I bet you sometimes he thought, God, I wish I never had that dream. I wish I never told my brothers. That's the dumbest thing I've done. This has got me into a pit, Potiphar's, and a prison. But he, he's in prison, and he's serving faithfully, and he's loving God. You know, everywhere Joseph went, he flourished. I speak that over your life. Everywhere you go, you'll flourish. Just do well. He's in, he's in the prison. Everybody loves him in the prison. Hey, Joe, how you doing today? Cell 43 doing great. Thanks, man. He's happy. The Bible says, because remember, he's, He's not in Potiphar's house. Now he's in Pharaoh's kingdom. Worship team, you can come join me. 
He's in Pharaoh's kingdom. And the Bible says one night Pharaoh has a dream. And when Pharaoh dreams, he cannot interpret the dream himself. So he calls for all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the interpreters to come. And they all try and interpret the king's dream, but they can't. And so they all fail one by one by one by one. And there's a guy that's standing there watching this all go down. And he's kind of like reluctant. But he goes to Pharaoh, the king of the whole king of Egypt. And he's like, hey, Pharaoh, how you doing? Hey, um, I know this might sound kind of weird, but bro, we got this guy in jail right now. His name is Joe. He's a Hebrew. He's not from here. He's a Hebrew. But dude, I promise you, he's so good at this stuff. I've watched him do it. He can interpret dreams. So Pharaoh's like, well, none of my guys can do it. Go get him. So in, oh, I love this about God. I'm going to get yelling again. In one moment, he goes from a prison to the palace. Because God's got a fast forward button. And he can promote you in one day, in one moment, beyond anything you were ever dreaming, praying, expecting, thinking, asking for. Somebody praise him right now. It can happen in a moment. One moment, one moment. Prison, palace, prison, palace, prison, palace. Boop, one button. Prison, palace. Joseph walking up like, oh man, this is, this is a lot different than the prison. Whoa. So this is what the palace looks like. And Pharaoh's like, I heard you, um, I heard you interpret dreams. And he's like, eh. dreams are a sensitive subject in my house, but yeah, I'll try. What do you got? Pharaoh's like, okay, this is what I saw. He tells him the dream. Joseph goes. God just spoke to me. God just told me exactly what your dream means. What God is trying to tell you, King, is that for seven years, you're about to have crazy abundance. Seven years, this thing is going to go wild. It's gonna, you, your savings, your crops, seven years of abundance are about to happen. And right after, King, seven years of famine. You'll not be able to do anything with the crops, with the land. It'll be hard. And God is saying to you, King, you need to save for seven years so you can be ready for the other seven years. When he interprets the dream, the King Pharaoh, he looks at him and he goes, oh my gosh, this man Joseph is the man. And so right then on the spot, he advances him and promotes him. The same position he had in Potiphar's house is now the same position he has in Pharaoh's kingdom. He is the governor and the number two of all the land. Just like that, one moment, oversees the whole project. Seven years of abundance, Joseph's called shots. Store it, store it, save it, save it, pack it, get it in there, put it in the barns, put it in the warehouse. Two years into the famine, Joseph's like, it's all right. I've been overseeing this project. We're good. Two years into the project, and the Bible says that Jacob and his brothers are over there, and they're hungry, and they need food. And so they, the, Jacob says to the boys, I need you to go down to Egypt, and I need you to come and get our family some food. We're hungry. And so the brothers come to Egypt, and when they show up, the governor, Joseph, is standing there, and he sees his brothers, and as he looks at them, they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them, and they all bow down. And Joseph thinks to himself, oh! 
This is what I saw 13 years ago. This is my dream. It's happening. What I love about God is God's not going to give you a day warning to tell you tomorrow I'm going to answer your dream. He'll just show up and slap you silly and say, I know I showed you this image 10 years ago, 20 years ago. By the way, here I am. Here it is. I didn't warn you. I'm just that good. I'm going to shock you with how good my grace is. Somebody thank him right now. He can show up at any day, at any time, any hour. Joseph, Joseph, stand there like, I cannot believe. I think part of me wants to believe that Joseph was like, "Ah." told you so. But Joseph, like all of us, when, when your God dream comes to pass, you won't even know how to handle the situation. Because it's so much bigger than you. So Joseph doesn't know how to handle it. He's like, oh, who are you guys? And where are you from? Do you have a dad? What's, uh, my dad? Where, uh, do you have a dad? He's, he's alive? Cool. Um, what about another brother? Is there one more? Remember, Rachel had two kids. His only other real brother was Benjamin. And he's Rachel's cousin. Do you have another brother by chance? Is he alive? Benjamin's alive? Cool. Okay, well, I'm not going to give you anything until you go get, you had a brother, right? Go get your brother and then I'll give you, I'll give you everything you need. And so these guys are like, uh, okay. As they leave to go back to their father, Joseph whispers to the attendants, double their sacks. They get back to their dad, they unpack their backpacks, and they're like, are you kidding me? Reuben, did you steal stuff from Egypt? Simeon, get over here. Did you steal stuff? They go to the dad and they go, hey, we met the governor. We, can't, we didn't get his name, but the governor was asking about you and asking if we had a brother. And he said he won't give us our stuff until Benjamin comes. And the dad's like, are you crazy? You, you lost my Joseph and now you want me to give you Benjamin? no way the test that Joseph is going to have to pass right down number four is the test of retribution it's the hardest test to pass I was talking to somebody earlier today that listened to the message and she told me after the service she said wow I was tracking with everything until you got to retribution because retribution is the hardest part and the Bible says that eventually after their Their bellies grew hungry. Jacob lets them come back. So they come to Egypt a second time. And they present themselves before their brother a second time. And as they come this time, stand to your feet. I want to read these last scriptures to you. Watch how he forgives them. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known 
to his brothers and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it and Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph is my father still living but his brothers were not able to answer because they were terrified at his presence then Joseph said to his brothers come on come close to me and when they had done so he said I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance I love Joseph Joseph's like guys don't, don't be mad at yourself you didn't do this God did this Joseph's the man because everything in his life it's not a person issue it's a God issue he didn't make Potiphar's wife a Potiphar's wife issue he made it a God issue he didn't make the pit or the palace or the prison a man issue he made it a God issue he says guys let me just tell you I can see that all of this was God bringing me to this place to preserve your life and to preserve other lives come on I want to tell you right now God's dream is bigger than you God's dream will affect and impact so many others lives it will deliver not just your soul but the soul of many souls could you imagine being one of the brothers standing there looking at the guy that 13 years ago you sold into slavery and he's telling you don't be mad at yourselves God did this to me I wonder in your life if you're giving people so much power when it wasn't them, it was actually God. God was testing you, wasn't he? He was testing your rejection. He was testing your isolation. He was testing your retribution. Notice what Joseph doesn't say. Joseph doesn't look at his brothers and go, payback is something else, isn't it? karma huh he says guys don't please don't be angry with you God brought me from the pit to Potiphar's house to a prison cell it was all a setup for me to walk in the dream that he gave me 13 years ago it was a journey like I never imagined but it was ultimately God's plan for my life the reason why I love Joseph is because Joseph is a type shadow he is a foreshadow of a greater and a truer Joseph to come and his name is Jesus because Jesus passed every test in the New Testament Jesus was rejected Jesus faced temptation Jesus was in isolation and while he was on a cross Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do come on let's clap and not praise Joseph but praise your Jesus I just wrote down some thoughts that I was wondering if our church could receive I just want to implore you with these thoughts write this down if you want to or take a screenshot receive a dream no one understands share a dream that no one supports suffer for a dream that will surpass everyone and everything Die to the dream in the darkness, but the dream never dies to you. And live out a dream that no one will pay the price for, but all will benefit from. That's the kind of dream that God's asking you to walk in. God is not giving you a dream to win American Idol. He's giving you a dream to impact and save the lives of many people.
Come on, let's clap one more time and thank Jesus for being so gracious, so loving, so kind, so awesome.